Hey, welcome to the in between. We're uh, joined by Colson this morning because Colson's got questions. Good morning. Um, but good we're a uh, good thing because <laughs> <laughs> the pastor's running out of things to say. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, Gotta be guided somehow. I would just like to say, like, what's with the horns? I mean, it seems like there's it seems like there's always a horn involved. Yep. There is. Stop. This is a good. We haven't done this reminder in a while. Um, if you haven't read, like pre-read Daniel 8, stop the recording. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Go read Daniel 8. We'll wait right here. Exactly right. Today we'll okay, just read no. Daniel 8. That's what we'll do. <laughs> that we now, do. Now that we're back. Um, yeah. Uh, what's with the horns? I don't. Okay, so we talked about. Um, and this is going to be good because we, we we usually try to have at least a short conversation before about, hey, what are we going to talk about? And we started doing that, and, and John was like, hey, no, this needs to be it. So we just started. We've been quoting Ghostbusters for the last two minutes <laughs> about being excited about this plan. So this is going to be fun to see how this works out. But that's actually probably the original vision of this podcast anyway, was right. us talking about what needs to come up in the sermon, what are the questions people are going to have, what what do we need to dance around. And so one is the horns question. We talked about apocalyptic literature. I mean, technically, I talked about apocryphal literature. But what I meant to be talking about was a, <laughs> I had the right word in my head. I just the wrong word was coming out of my mouth. Man, I if, defined it if right. I had a nickel for every time Chris had the wrong word come out of his mouth. <laughs> Did anybody else comment, though? You didn't Not ask. a single other no, person. Yeah, so I'm single. still putting it back on shared. He heard, he, so he heard wrong. I haven't, I haven't gone back and watched it yet. Has anybody gone back to check? No. no. <laughs> Why would I do that? Why would we do that? Exactly. Um, I have a funny feeling he's right, though, because my my notes in some places say apocryphal. So, oh, okay. Oh, see, there yeah, you go. see, that's a, that's a bad, that's a bad indicator. Um, Maybe I should be reading your notes more carefully. <laughs> somebody ought to, or listening. Anyway, so the uh, uh, apocalyptic literature has these visions and has these symbols and metaphors and all the analogies and everything and but i think pretty much everyone i've never read anything that disagrees with the idea that a horn represents a power and then specifically in these they represent a person of power or traits of a person of power in daniel 7 and 8 and in revelation 13 and so what's that don't make the joke (laughs) but is that like a was that a common thing in like horn representing power. Yeah, as I understand it, yes. In in that culture, oh, that you know, know about, or like, or was it just like, okay, well, this is Daniel. This is what he's seeing. Like, would would people reading this at that time would they understand? Yes. That well, way? and even what's interesting is, I mean, it, the the angel actually tells us that okay. in these two chapters and some of the others, like, the horn is this, and that's that's what mm-hmm. one of the things we're going to see as we were just talking about. So we go back to. Hebrew in this chapter, yeah, and that's when uh, and the, the you know the common guess at that is because this becomes more Hebrew centric. You were saying about Revelation following the same pattern, Paul. Yeah, it has a, a similar pattern uh, of a message that starts out with an introduction, then moves to these judgment that are uh, dealing with a worldwide judgment. Here in Daniel, it was Daniel two through seven. In Revelation, it's actually four through eleven. And then, uh, and then it makes a switch again. And so it going to goes from an introduction, worldwide judgment, and then now how that judgment specifically applies to, at least here, Israel. And so Revelations 12 through 20 does that. And then now we're going to run into that 8 through 12, the end of this book, are going to be now moving 
Again, we kind of got this overview cast. This is the this is the process. This is the system, and then now we're going to kind of get a more narrowed scope. How does this actually affect uh, the, the the Jewish people, the Israelites now? And this is what Daniel's more concerned with. And I think that's why innate. Now we're going to run into, you know, again this ram and this goat. A more specific target of this is the next one you're going to face. Like you're yep. going to face this one coming up next. And so, what is God's role? Of his or what is God's people's role in that? What is He going to do and accomplish? It makes it even harder, in some ways, because you know at least at least some of the others you have this kind of worldwide. Hey, that could involve us, and with the exception of the cyclical nature of these prophecies, eight is not really about us, and so that makes it even Brace more boring for us as Americans. Yeah. Like, oh, there's this great you're like oh scary and and it's like. No, no, we, this was a guy who none of you have ever heard of, probably, unless it was in Bible classes studying this passage. But he was a big deal to the Jews, a huge deal to them. So we'll, get, we'll come back to, we'll get to that as we break this apart. But anyway, yep. I'm a little less afraid of the, the goat and the ram. I'm, I mean, not necessarily because it's not about me, but it's easy. It's like Zo- zodiac signs. Zodiacs. <laughs> Aries, the ram, was the zodiac symbol of Persia. There you go. Capricorn, which is Latin caper, which means goat. Cornu, which means horn. The zodiac sign for Greece. See? It all makes sense. Oh, my gosh, Paul. <laughs> did, you, did you look that up or make it up? No, I'm not making that up. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the guardian yep. spirit of Persia, of the Persian Empire was also... A portrayed as a ram, and apparently uh, the Persian king, when going into battle, carried a ha- uh, uh, head of a ram. So again, these this is where we're moving into again the section of now that we're now we're transitioning back to a specific message that's happening to Israel in this moment. This is where Daniel's going to get eerily fulfilled. Like we're right. going to see this, and we're going to see these, and this is this is again one of the big pushes of why um, uh, more liberal contemporaries are saying there's no way this is written that early that right. this couldn't have been written back then because then what happened well the persians came and then here's how that all matches up and then what happened after that well the greeks came and here's how all that matches up and so it's like this had to happen at least after the greeks came in and take over and that's why there's some that push for this being dated in the hundreds or two hundreds right because it would have to be after those things happen too accurate yeah, that's right because it's too accurate uh what's your question colson we were talking beforehand about the visions up till now. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're kind of at night as as da- uh, Daniel was sleeping, and so this one though it occurs during the day. And so my question was like, okay, I I get the, you know, you have a a weird dream, I've, and again, I, this is just my own personal like what I'm bringing to it. But it's like, okay, well. I, that makes sense to me, but what does it look like to have a dream, like a vision during the day? Is there is there much study to that? Do we know much about that? We'll see the Spanish take a siesta. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, and maybe that was it. I don't know. But is it like no. was he just unconscious? Did he, you know, just sitting sitting in a chair? And it's like, whoa. We do know that at least Daniel's attributed towards having the gift to interpret both. Mm-hmm. Um, way back in Daniel one seventeen. Speaking of the young men, it says, To these four young men, God gave the knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And so it actually seems to break those out, in uh, at least in gifting for Daniel, as two separate things, instead of just using them you know, similarly as just one 
he can interpret things or you could interpret visions and then leaving out the avenue of whether they come during the day or come at night. And, and, and Chris was making mention of this too. We're not, we're not a hundred percent sure in eight that there is, that this isn't still some kind of dream that's happening here, not just a direct vision, but it just doesn't, it doesn't present itself as clearly as all the others. So far in this book, we run into dreams. He's had this just finished probably the dream in chapter seven. It's probably two ish years after that. We're mm-hmm. still probably 12 ish years before the events of chapter five starting off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now he has this, this encounter where it looks like he's or reading it. It's seeming like he's looking at something while awake during the daytime. And then now probably in the sky since he's looking up and then some, then this vision kind of cascades over top of that, taking over what he's seeing now replacing it or unveiling maybe what's truly there behind, you know, the, what is unseen. And so now it moves into the daytime, which I always took more in the sense of now it makes sense why Daniel's kind of a little bit more ramped up in being scared. Like it's, it's one thing to be like, Oh, out of crazy dream. Now these dreams and this crazy events are like happening in my everyday, like my real life. I'm now experiencing them at a new level. I could see it kind of ramping up his emotions as well. That makes sense. Cause like I was, I was the whole time reading this thinking, why is he so scared? Yeah. I mean, it's a ram and a go that I'm sure. <clears throat> he seems a little. One of them's got weird horns. I, I agree. That would be crazy to see, but it's not, it's not a huge lion with, you know, wings. I'm trying to look up here real quick. Now the lions can fly. There's multiple Hebrew words here. That's an interesting. I was looking up real quick to see if there was an obvious difference between visions and dreams in the Hebrew. I started looking for any rabbinical type writings about that. Man. This is also kind of one of those, especially at the beginning, one of those things, Chris, you've talked about before, before you went to Israel, you know, you just kind of read the Bible as, well, then they went here and then they went here and, yes, then, and then they talked to this guy and then they, yeah, whatever. I definitely caught myself being like, uh, so he was in this place and then he went to, he was in this place and it's over by this canal. These are real places. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look we're gonna look at maps on this one. Yeah, I think I think that's and it's important. even. By the way, it's not even clear in the passage whether he is there having a vision, uh-huh. or whether he's there in the vision. In the vision, and so it's not clear in the passage. You can't tell. No. Is he ha- he's sitting somewhere in Babylon and he has a vision, and in the vision he's in Persia, or was he in Persia when he had the vision? Uh. And it's you can't tell from the that's interesting. Passage. It would be really cool. Some people think this this use this passage has been used to argue that that Daniel did interact with the Persian kings as well as the Babylonian kings because the the guy who he's under Dar- eventually Darius the Mede is not a Persian king. He's a local leader of Babylon. Not he's not one of the he's not Cyrus the Great. He's not right. Xerxes or Darius the Great. He's a which I think I read a commentary that had those two like reversed. They oh, it's amazing how many of them confuse them. Like, don't do that. Yeah, that's. It's not. It's it's historically not possible that it's Darius the Great. Yeah, the timetable is all wrong. Um, so instead, it's Darius the Mede, not Darius the Persian. Um, 
But these are a lot of the types of things. Super confusing. Just name your kids different things. Interestingly, it may even be. <laughs> As we have two Jones on staff. Two Chris's on, <laughs> two Chris's on staff. Exactly. Um, uh, and y'all's, I mean, y'all's girls are named too similarly for me. I get them confused. Mm-hmm. I get our daughters confused too. <laughs> Just the name. Um, <laughs> the, gosh, and again, you know, uh, I am not, I know nothing about Hebrew. I almost said I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it'd be more correct to say I know almost nothing about <laughs> Hebrew. Um, but once again, no surprise, the, words, are, the words aren't super clear even what is meant by the different words. So I, I just have a quick clarifying question because you were saying you don't know if he's having a vision about being in Persia or if he's in Persia. Why, right. would, he, why would he be in Persia? Would they have shipped him off there potentially? Like, uh, he easily could have, especially yeah. a leader like level? he is. Okay. Yeah, that, um, it, th- there is a little bit of a timetable problem of him being in Persia because he's going to need to be back in Babylon soon to interpret the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if he's in Persia, he apparently leaves Persia right after this dream to head back to Babylon, which, again, makes some sense that that could be exactly what happens. Yeah. But it would make sense that he's in Persia, and in Persia he has a vision walking around in the desert about Persia. So dreams, the, the concept of visions, I don't know the Hebrew concept of vision, how it clarifies. I know there's a difference between um, dreams and, say, the visions of, of someone who does a, a vision quest, someone who goes out and doesn't eat or drink for a while and then waits until they begin to see things, But <clears throat> like the native, a lot of native cultures did. But I don't. I think the idea here is, I mean, obviously Daniel might have been fasting, he might have been doing whatever and wait, looking for a vision from God. But I think the implication is that, that if it's during the day, either he is asleep during the day having a vision, or his, it just, it, it, this is what takes over his visual field. That while he's standing out in the desert, what he sees is not what is there. What he's, so if you imagine, you know, if you were looking out here and you began to see a baseball game going, there's not a baseball game going, but you begin to see one as if it's happening out there. And that's that's not unimaginable. We can imagine. I mean, most of us have enough of imagination that we could look at something like a baseball field and begin to project in our minds people out there playing. They're not out there playing. This is that's, I think this is that same concept except from the outside. Someone is giving him this vision. It's kind of like, um, well, like we talked about, pulling back the veil. Yeah, yeah. And he's seeing what is real, but... It's not physically real. It's just he's getting a vision into reality as to what God is doing and what's going on. Like, say, um, is it Elijah or Elijah, Elisha, who pulls back the veil for his servant? Sha. Sha. And so that's the... Sha. Sha. And he lets the... Uh, who There's a servant who's all scared, and Elisha pulls back the veil so that he can see God's army of angels, his hosts... Surrounding them. Surrounding them. And they were always there. I'm going to tell you, I'd be more scared. Exactly. Holy. <laughs> now, how often does that happen? <laughs> Could you tell me every time one of those walks by me? Like, that would be so distracting. Somebody t- t- having conversation and they're looking just over your shoulder upwards like, oh, yeah. sorry, were you talking? There's a huge angel behind you. He's got a sword. <laughs> I'm going I'm to say it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, so he's either standing in the, at this canal in the citadel, looking at the city, and then all these events come over top of it, or he's off still somewhere else 
And then all of a sudden he sees the canal that he himself is there at the canal in the city. But it's likely either way that Daniel is either there or has been there um, in the past because <clears throat> right. he, he knows all this. It's not that then the, an angel has to come and say, hey, this is where you are. And mm-hmm. and that makes sense, um, especially because Susa, Susa was a big um, part of the area and became when the Persians took over, it became their capital. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it was not a small, defunct off little place, but it was very, very prominent. So it would have been likely that, again, Daniel would have either had been there while he's experiencing this or um, at least had already been there and knew to recognize it when this vision all of a sudden kicked in of him being there. Mm. Yep. Yeah, we get this same, I was looking for the exact language. I know a couple of places, but I'm not. um, There you go. You get this language in Revelation 1. Um, I, John, your brother, starting verse 9, and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's how he describes being in a different state to see and hear from God directly. And that's what, then he says, then I heard a loud voice like a trumpet saying, and that that's when the visions, and this, he restates this concept a few times in Revelation that, that he's, he's now somehow experiencing a different reality than the reality of the island of Patmos. <clears throat> and again, there's not, he doesn't give us the mechanics. What exactly that means? How do you know when you're there? What's the, you know, what are the magic words? Because, but he hadn't just been drinking a lot of seawater or something like that. Like that is the presumption. Yeah, Yeah. he wasn't having an aneurysm. Yeah, Yeah. um, I mean, God could use anything like Mm -hmm. that, but it's not a. That's not the. That's not the idea here. Is that he's just being welcomed behind the veil? Wow. To see as complete a picture as God wants to show him. Which is still odd. People often, like John, will have a part of their apocalyptic vision will be someone telling them, don't write that part down. <laughs> and that's right. that's a weird, that's such a wild consideration. Like, no, no, don't talk about that part. Just keep that to yourself. And we have that in numerous places in different apocalyptic visions that that's a little almost scary. Like, okay, given that he did just share this part, yeah, not not sharing that part, why? Like, what was... Was it too scary compared to the rest of it? I mean, oh my gosh. Or too horrific? Like, what's going on there? But, mm. yep. And they are divided out all through. Go ahead. Everyone's going to think that you <clears throat> wrote it at a different time. You write that part. <laughs> right, right, that part. We saw what happened to Daniel. <laughs> We're not making that mistake. We're not again. making that mistake. They're going to be that specific. It does create this funny, um, I mean, the, the no-win scenario of, oh, Daniel's prophecies, they're, they're broad and they're general and, you know, they don't really are specific. Well, if they're specific, then people don't trust that it's prophecy. If they're not specific, then people want them to be more specific. And that's kind of a no-win for the mm-hmm. prophet, I think. That's not fair. Can't win for losing. Not justice, that's right. Um, okay, so here's a prophecy about the future from Joel. It will come about after this time that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and the female servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So, again, the delineation between dreams and visions. There is some delineation, but it's not clear for sure exactly. Mm-hmm. It may be as simple as one happens at night when you're asleep and the other one happens when you're not asleep. It may be that. We don't know. Interesting. 
Yep. And then I guess the, the other question that I have, you were talking about kind of the, the vision quest that people would go on. Mm-hmm. Is that, do we know if any of people that like talked about prophecies within the Bible practice that vision quest thing? Or is that kind of more a, a not, not associated with, you know, God's people and, and the writings in, in the Bible? The closest thing we see is like, we see Jesus and others fasting mm-hmm. sometimes for 40 days in Jesus's case. And so, and so sometimes something supernatural or spiritually powerful happens at the end of a fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, but that's the closest thing that, that we would say it, it's not, we're not encouraged biblically to intentionally try to put ourselves into a place where we will have some kind of visions. Um, and I think that makes sense, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's why we don't take, Drugs to have visions. We don't. Right. We don't starve ourselves to have visions. Like none of that. Don't go visit necromancers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We don't do any of the things that people do to have visions. The presumption would be that the drug then for is the source of the vision, or the delusion is the source mm-hmm. of the vision, and that's not. We would never seek that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good question, but I've sometimes there are interesting. A few years ago. Um, at Pine Cove, actually, a gentleman, uh, a young man, was trying to get hand out his book as often as he could to everybody, because um, it was a book on essentially on how to speak in tongues, and it had the it had the guideline for like here's essentially it was here's the steps to get God to give you tongues to give you the gift of tongues, and so I learn another language. There you go. That'd be one way. Well, I mean, I remember, so growing up in South Africa, there. I mean, I just remember going to like a vacation Bible school at yep. a pretty charismatic church, and a young teenage guy got up and was telling us, I mean, we were younger elementary school age, a similar thing of like, hey, this is how you get to speak in tongues and have a special prayer language with God. Yeah. But sorry, I'm, I'm derailing what you're no, saying. No, not at all. That's exactly the example. <clears throat> and I, I, it really, so I read the book. Uh, and critiqued it, but it it really had this strong feel of like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's what I do. Um, a very strong feel of here's how you manipulate God into giving you visions. It, it was paganism is the use of things to derive power from the invisible world, um, and it felt when I got done, I was like, this is a pagan spell book. This is how I'm going to manipulate God. Here's here's how I have to breathe, and here I have to sit, and here's what I do, and here's what I repeat. I just repeat certain noises. I mean, it was like the person had lost their copy of the Bible for sure. Like let's mm-hmm. let's just have vain, vain, repetitious noises until God begins to speak through you. I was like, I'm I'm pretty sure we're told not to not do, to do that. not to have the vain repetition. Like that's Jesus has a pretty negative attitude about the whole vain repetition thing. And anyway, it was just you see that a lot, sadly. Anyway, interesting. Yeah, that answers. Hopefully, that answers that question. It's not something we're trying to manipulate or create. Yeah, God can give us those gifts if He chooses to. It's not our job to make that happen. Pretty much for a purpose, not for us to feel better about our standing spiritually. Yeah. Yeah, because we do run. I mean, even even across back on the subject of, of visions and interpretations of it. You know, in the Old Testament, there is the position or at least the description of the seer um and there are seers that are are clearly prophets used by god um whether that's a description after they become a prophet used by god or even before like we have um gad who 
uh, is a professional seer who all of a sudden pops up in David's life when he's kind of on the run and, and actually then is an instrument a, a clearly identified as being used by God to tell David what God needs to know. But the difference I feel like we, you know, again, with these seers is you have those that are used by God and then again are carry his message. And then those who are judged, uh, who are condemned, and they're always the ones who are carrying their own message, their own interpretations and yep. not, not God's. And so, yeah, the difference being, is it from God or are we just doing this on ourselves for ourselves to benefit ourselves? I never told y'all when I was little, I thought that I was that I had a recurring dream um, that didn't make any sense to me um, until like maybe the fourth time that I had it Um, because it was just, it was, it was super nondescript, but it was just like powerful sides to a conflict and they were lobbing power back and forth at each other, trying to like whatever. And I was like, Oh no, that's just every conflict. <laughs> okay, cool. Not a seer. Got it. Not a seer. Just watched a lot of movies. Ooh, that's right. Good. Oh wow. Did they use night arrows or was Ooh. it just <laughs> Oh, it's super weird. I don't I I can't explain it. It's not a <laughs> Not not night not arrows. Not a seer yet. yet. That's right. There's still yet. hope. Still Still waiting on the the right breathing method to get into my exactly. visions, for sure. That's again. I'm not a. It's interesting. I actually got a question this week. Uh, somebody sent me an email about whether or not I was a cessationist, meaning, do I believe that the miraculous gifts of the spirit ceased um, with certain some event like the coming of the canonization of the Bible or the work of Jesus or something like that, and. I am not a cessationist in that sense. Um, I do think that the Holy Spirit still performs miracles through his people and does miraculous things through his people. What I don't believe is that that's something we can control or manipulate. I don't. I think that any, any Christian could, mm-hmm. been led by the Spirit, lay hands on somebody and heal them. Um, we still practice that. Like we, uh, The elders are, um, you know, one of our teachers, John Keeling, has been sick, and so we're trying to schedule a time for some elders of the church to go lay hands on him and pray for him for healing. But I, we don't have a healer in the church. There's no one whose job is, that's their job title is to be a healer. We don't have a prophet who tells the future Yet. or a seer. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to crush John's dream. Sorry. Yes, that's right. Yet. He, he just hasn't finished his book yet. Yeah. Once he finishes the book, he'll that's know how to do it. I'll know how to do it. <laughs> know how to manipulate my way in there. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot, and it's... (laughs) But I think those things can happen. I think think people could have visions. I think people can dream dreams. They always have to be filtered through the accuracy of Scripture. If they don't match Scripture, then they're not from God. If they do match Scripture, then they might be, and we can... That they make a great conversation. And, And a lot of times the gifts, those miraculous gifts, are meant... Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12, and then I think again in 14 about... That you have a miracle, it's going to help. It's going to build your faith. You mm-hmm. see a miracle, it's going to be great for your faith. It doesn't equip the church very well, and he prefers that. So our that's a lesser that. gift. That, right. <laughs> it has that sense of like I would prefer to be able to equip the church than just to grow my own faith. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's wrong to grow your own faith. Not that your own faith goes like, "Wow, I saw this. I will never doubt again." I mean, you will because we're that bad at it. But 
Uh, anyway, that'd be a great question sometime. Would be to talk about what have we experienced that we would we put the label miracle on it. Miracle. I think that's a lot. I think people a lot more than we realize. People have that. So. Well, sure. Good. All right. Thanks for joining us. We're uh, grateful for you, and we will see you next week on the in between. <laughs> <laughs>